Hi, thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is Bruce Snell with Nozomi Networks. Uh, a little bit about my background. I've been in cybersecurity for the past 25 years. Uh, in the last 10 years, I've done a lot of work in OT and IoT cybersecurity as well on projects ranging from, you know, hacking a car to uh, working on with oil and gas pipelines all the way up to smart cities. Um, so there's a lot of interesting topics in security that have come up, and we're going to dig in a little bit further into one area in particular today, and that area is zero trust. And joining me today is Gary Kinghorn, who I consider to be quite the expert in zero trust. And so, Gary, thank you for joining us, and we're going to pick your brain a little bit, if that's all right. Great. Thanks, Bruce. Happy to be here. Uh, where would you like to start? Yeah, so let's just get, dig right in, right? So what is what is zero trust security? Um, and really, why does it matter? Uh, what's the, you know, what, what what's some of the driving background and, and why do we have this concept in kind of being uh, presented now? Well, zero trust is really a change in mindset about how networks and um, environments are secured and how you deploy policies into the network. So it's a shift in mindset really more than anything else. And that shift in mindset is going from Pretty much your, your network and your devices being able to communicate widely to each other by default to zero trust assumes that individual devices or systems may actually be compromised or they may actually be th a threat to other devices. So you're only going to specifically allow certain kinds of traffic or certain kinds of communication in your network. It's just really a shift in mentality from assuming that everything on your network is, is trusted to now maybe we don't trust everything and we're much more restrictive in the kind of communication that we that we do allow. This is a, a concept that's evolved over the last 10 years or more. I think the original concept was uh, largely attributed to uh, Forrester analyst uh, John Kindervag, although there may have been you know, some, some concepts along zero trust lines before that, but he really gets credit for it. And so now organizations are seeing that we're in a landscape of much more sophisticated threats, much more connected networks, much more outsiders that need access to networks. Um, so we need to rethink fundamentally how we're orchestrating and segmenting and securing our networks. And so there's a lot of industry involvement or guidelines or mandates that are getting organizations, at least for critical infrastructure and cyber physical systems, to move towards this more secure, uh, zero trust mindset in how they are architecting their, their network environments. And so now we've got organizations trying to scramble to figure out how they can really do that and, uh, and where it makes sense. So from a zero trust perspective, I think the, the historical model, like if we look at traditional security models is, was this kind of, you know, the, the hard crunchy outside and then the soft chewy center. Right. Yeah. Um, and that worked great for, for a while. Right. But now I think we, you know, when, when you look at zero trust, instead of that, you know, that singular outside shell, you've got a bunch of little pocket shells inside, right? It's almost like, you know, now you've got a bag of M&Ms, right? Instead of yeah. just one big, one big, uh, you know, one big one. Um, and so I think that's really kind of the core of that shift from a security model of, you know, everybody outside is bad, everybody inside is good, right? right. Um, and we've shifted into this, you know, 
you know, we're moving from trust, but verify into, well, into zero trust. Correct. Yeah. So in, in general, what, you know, organizations have, have segmented their network and that's one, one of the fundamental ways of restricting access, maybe from, from less risky systems to more risky systems in OT environments, um, cyber physical environments, they were maybe traditionally completely air gapped from right. the IT network and from, you know, the other um, cloud applications and so on. So that air gap is no longer there. So there is a lot more connectivity and they do need to figure out now, okay, how do I segment and secure these environments to make sure only authorized users, only valid systems can connect to this more risky part of the uh, more vulnerable part of the network. Um, and so, it, you know, a, syn a synonymous term for zero trust is micro segmentation. So if segmentation was kind of a traditional concept, organizations are figuring out how do I get to this micro segmentation where every individual device is essentially in its own secure zone. Um, and that's kind of the challenge in OT environments. That's a little more complicated to do than in than in IT or cloud environments. But um, it's one of the one of the considerations that uh, the companies are having to go through to figure out how do I get there? Where does it make sense? What kind of enforcement do I need to put in place to uh, implement this micro segmentation or zero trust and really make the interior of the network um, much more secure against these more sophisticated uh, cyber threats and, you know, the more incursions into the network that we're getting from the outside. Right. And, and it's, it's not just incursions from bad guys either, right? Because we also have, you know, organizations that have their partners connecting on the back end, right? From a supply chain or, you know, you're, you're connecting with, you know, ordering systems together. Um, so it is a, you know, kind of that whole concept of a perimeter is, is, is gone, in, in most organizations now. Um, so it's almost like, you know, zero trust kind of becomes a necessity, I think, for any organization that has, you know, that has any sort of connectivity to anywhere. Um, so it definitely seems like that's kind of the direction that we need to shift in. Um, now, specifically, when we think about zero trust um, from an OT perspective, right, what are some, some good use cases, do you think, where you would be applying zero trust in, you know, an OT or an IOT network? Yeah, I mean, one of the initial use cases, certainly, uh, that, that organizations we've seen do is, is secure remote access. So I've got a bunch of people outside my network, maybe they're vendors of my HVAC system or some industrial control system. Um, and they need to get access to do warranty service or, you know, provide tech support to those systems. But I don't want them to see anything else on the network. So I can establish, uh, you know, a zero trust zone for them to only get access to one system. And that's a great use case. You know, you've got an outsider coming into your network and you've, you're really restricting where they can go. Um, it's a good model to use if you've got, you know, maybe somebody clicks on a bad link and now you've got ransomware on your network. You want to really restrict where um, that malware can spread throughout the network. So that's another reason why you'd want to deploy zero trust uh, kind of throughout the network or establish, you know, very granular small zones so that malware can't propagate. So I would say kind of the first use case consideration for zero trust is maybe a secure remote access use case, and then maybe figure out how you can 
you know, replace the, the traditional air gap to the OT environment with, you know, maybe a zero trust zone that is accessible from certain systems or applications still gives you the connectivity you need, but it's so restricted <clears throat> the malware can't propagate to it. Um, and so, I mean, those are some of the first initial use cases I think people can get started with pretty quickly with zero trust with a minimal level of enforcement and a minimal level of <clears throat> impact to the existing network topology and, and network systems that are deployed. So Gary, thinking about, you know, the, the zero trust model, um, what are some, you know, some common challenges you think that people would run into when trying to implement zero trust uh, specifically in an OT or IOT environment? Yeah, so obviously one of the biggest challenges is that you can't really put a disruptive technology into an existing OT environment. And you certainly don't want to put in something that's going to potentially block legitimate traffic. So you got to make sure everything is just right. But um, you also, like we've seen in IT environments, you can't necessarily put a virtual firewall or you know an enforcement point directly on the individual device. So you have to, to implement your, your zero trust enforcement you know, out somewhere in the network or at a choke point. So we're seeing, you know, firewalls and, and other um, enforcement technologies that can block illegitimate traffic or implement the micro segmentation that's required out towards the edge of the network. But um, how and where you do that in a way that doesn't disrupt, you know, the existing uh, cyber physical or industrial control environment is, you know, kind of the challenge. Um, and then, but the other challenge is, you know, how you really figure out what all of your appropriate policies are right. um, and making sure that you're, you're allowing for everything that, that can and should happen on the network and that devices can communicate and that they do establish that trust and ability to communicate. Um, you know, one of the reasons or one of the ways that we can really help these kinds of environments is that Nozomi can go and evaluate and monitor every individual endpoint and make sure that there are no vulnerabilities, that their um, <clears throat> operating systems are completely patched, that they're not running malware, that you know they've established a normal um, baseline traffic pattern and that they're continuing to conform to that. Because at the end of the day, um, zero trust is really a bit of a misnomer and you've got to have some level of trust in order for devices to communicate on your network and you know legitimate things to happen. So. Um, so Nozomi allows you to establish what that trust is to make sure that you can have confidence in the trust and the policies that, um, that you are allowing and uh, you're minimizing your risk and you're minimizing the attack surface. Because um, at the end of the day, the goal is to um, deploy zero trust so that you're stopping the spread of malware, you're stopping insider threats and so on but you're still monitoring the traffic, you're still establishing some minimal amount of trust that allows your systems to operate. In an OT environment, that's a little more complex because of the, the risk and the diversity of the systems and protocols that are in place. Um, and that's some of the challenges that organizations are trying to figure out how to overcome. Well, it seems like, you know, even if you take a step back, I think, you know, one of the the core blocks or building blocks of zero trust is actually identifying the assets, right? Um, figuring out 
who's in the who's in the network, who should be here, who shouldn't be here, right? And so I think, you know, looking at, you know, kind of what we do at Nozomi, there's this aspect of, you know, identifying the the assets, identifying the network, doing a scan, getting an asset inventory, um, and really pulling together that information so that you can use that to build those communication models, right? So you can establish, you know, who's communicating to who, to who, is that legitimate traffic, that sort of thing, and take that time to be able to build up those policies that you later could implement on, uh, you know, a, a firewall or, you know, or any sort of device like that. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if you are deploying micro segmentation, if you are putting every individual device as much as you can into its own, you know, security zone, <clears throat> um, if you don't know what your assets are, and that's where a lot of organizations are, you can't do that. So, you know, first step, you've got to understand, you know, what all your assets are, what is their security posture? Are they up to date? Are they at risk? How can we minimize the attack surface? Can we establish a normal baseline traffic pattern, um, set of behaviors that we can then continually monitor against to make sure that we can continue to trust that device um, and then how to handle it if it doesn't. So yes, uh, to, to start to implement a zero trust policy, you got to know where all those assets are, what their current state is, and you know what their expected behavior is and what their traffic um, and right. behavior has been. Right, and I think it's it's a little more critical um, in the the OT environment or in, in the IoT environment, um, you know, because if you look traditionally, you know, implementing zero trust in IT, it I mean, I'm not going to say it's easy, but you know, you don't have the, the risk aren't as great, I think, right? You know, if, if somebody gets blocked by a zero trust policy, they can open a help desk ticket and then, you know, get the access they need, right? But in an OT environment, if you're putting something in place that's actively blocking, um, and then, you know, maybe you've, you've set a baseline for a month, but then there's a system that only reports in every quarter or, or however long, you know, you may not have, have actually properly prepared um, all of your protections in place. Um, and on the IT side, if someone can't connect to a network, that's fine. But on the OT side of the house, um, you could potentially have catastrophic failure if a system can't communicate to, you know, a safety information system or something like that. So you may be blocking traffic that could potentially cause harm. Uh, so I think, you know, people taking a look at zero trust from an OT perspective need to really make sure that they spend that time building out that policy, understanding the behavior, understanding everything that's going on and spending the time analyzing the network. So that, you know, once they go into actually doing this segmentation, that it's done in a way that's safe and that is going to continue to allow businesses or the, the technology like the, you know, the cyber physical systems to keep moving and keep running the business and, and keep generating, you know, keeping, keeping the lights on, if you were. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt when you turn on a zero trust system, you're gonna break things. You're gonna say, wow, I didn't know that application or really needed to talk to that system or you know, that sensor was feeding data over to there. I forgot about that. So, you know, yeah, in an IT environment, you've got a little bit of a problem. And in a manufacturing environment, you could shut down the manufacturing process. Right. And uh, you know, the, the losses pile up quite quickly. So um, yeah, you gotta be careful. You gotta be passive for a while. You gotta monitor. Um, you gotta make sure that you're doing this in incremental phases and uh, you know, you're not disrupting anything that uh, would be disastrous to your environment. So 
thinking about zero trust, how do you feel zero trust will evolve um, over the you know over the next couple of years? Where where do you think the the whole policy and concept and adoption is moving uh, when we look at zero trust? Yeah, um, unfortunately, there, you know, there's so many definitions of zero trust out there, and right. you've seen a lot of different vendors kind of co-opt the term and use it for their purposes and. So, I mean, it's hard to say how it would evolve. I think hopefully uh, organizations will begin to look for, you know, maybe industry-specific guidelines or mandates or recommendations about how to really deploy zero trust in phases that make economic sense for, you know, the organization or the industry. Um, They're not doing an all-or-nothing approach. I don't think you're going to see you know, radical evolution in the technology because right. it's really, it's really not, um, it's not a new mousetrap or a, you know, a better light. Well, and it's, it's really not even a technology. Yeah, correct. It's really kind of a mindset. So what you're going to see is an evolution of the mindset uh, to, to norms that make sense. Um, maybe we're going to focus zero trust on initial protocols or, um, certain classes of devices, maybe for different use cases, like we talked about secure remote access um, might be uh, an initial use case. And then you can see uh, the zero trust architectures expand from there. Um, like we saw earlier this year, the White House came out with these guidelines around zero trust that talked about initially encrypting uh, all DNS traffic and all HTTP traffic, which is fairly straightforward to do. So the evolution you might see will be expansion from there. When are we going to, you know, make sure that all email traffic is secure and trusted? When do we have some of these specific OT protocols and uh, connections with, um, you know, industrial control systems uh, to their, uh, you know, HMI systems and other uh, IT applications, when is that kind of traffic going to be really incorporated into the zero trust? What kind of zero trust zones and policies make sense for those environments? You're going to see these things <clears throat> more mature uh, over time, and then maybe products to come out to support them um, and support specific implementations and needs, um, or maybe some existing products repurposed for those. But it's going to be kind of this dynamic between uh, industrial organizations um, Cybersecurity organizations, um, you know, CISA will be involved. Uh, you know, probably some federal government mandates uh, will will be incorporated, um, and we'll kind of see this all come together into zero trust implementations that really make sense. Great. So when we when we look at you know, let's say you you, you know you, you've got a mandate dropped on your desk today, right? And and we need we need to move to a zero trust model. What are some strategies or some advice that you would offer to someone that's looking to implement a zero trust uh, strategy? Yeah, well, the first thing is probably take account of your environment, um, have a a firm understanding of where you want to implement zero trust and what objectives you're really trying to accomplish. Um, Is there a specific use case, specific environment? You don't want to do, you know, kind of all or nothing overnight. Um, right. It just you just can't manage it. Um, so figure out the incremental phases. Figure out what policies you really want to put in place and to be able to enforce, and that you've got the right enforcement mechanisms or you've got the right existing network segmentation uh, that could implement those policies. 
and then uh, and then go from there. And like I said, maybe you probably want to get the infrastructure and the policies defined, your assets inventoried and assessed, the security postures on the endpoints determined, and then slowly build the enforcement into that model based on the policies that you've decided on. But um, do it in phases, understand why you're doing it, understand the benefits and the risk that you're actually mitigating, make sure it makes sense, and then scale up from there. Gotcha, gotcha. So if, if I kind of think about it, you know, based on, you know, our conversation, you know, when I really kind of sum up zero trust, I think it's, it's important to understand that, you know, zero trust is not a product, um, that it's not, you know, one tool that you're just going to drop in and, and quote unquote, fix zero trust. Um, it's something that's going to take uh, time, right? There's going to need to be, you know, policies and procedures put in place around zero trust. Um, there needs to, I think there also needs to be buy-in from the top level down in an organization to make sure that, you know, there's support for these efforts. Um, but then really, the, I think the big starting point is figuring out what you have in your environment, right? Okay. Establishing what those assets are, who they're talking to, what everything looks like so that you can build your model based on that and take time to implement it. So, if I'm getting a call, you know, if I get an email on Monday morning saying, okay, let's implement zero trust, we shouldn't expect it by Friday, right? This is something that, you know, I think for most organizations is going to take quite a bit of time to implement. Yeah, definitely. It's a, <clears throat> it's a slow rollout um, with specific objectives in mind. And you're right. It's definitely not a technology. It's more of a mindset. <clears throat> you don't want to radically re-architect your network and your systems right. and your policies um, because we know how that's going to go, especially in a, you know, industrial control environment that can't, you know, be shut down very easily. Um, so, yeah, all those factors have to be taken into account as you figure out what your zero trust strategy is. We know from a lot of market surveys that most organizations of any size are trying to figure out what their zero trust strategy is going to be and how to overcome some of these objectives. But um, you know, it's gonna be different for every, every environment, every customer, every different industry. And uh, yeah, they'll, they need to sort that out. Great, great. Well, Gary, thank you for taking the time to, to talk with me about uh, Zero Trust. Uh, it's been very, very useful, uh, very helpful and very enlightening. Um, and you know, I hope everyone that's watching has, has gotten as much of it out of as, as I have. So thank you for, uh, for joining us today. Mm -hmm.